You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Belinda Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This morning, I'm going to be ministering a message to you called, There is Light in Your Midnight. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is light in your midnight. You see, in our journey of life, we all face good and bad situations. Our lives consist of mornings and midnights. But what makes one person face their midnight with courage and another person the same midnight in fear? Can I ask that question this morning? What makes one person face their midnight with courage and the next person face their midnight with fear? This morning, take a moment to ask your own heart. Heart, how do I face my midnight? Do I face my midnight with courage or do I face my midnight with fear? You see, how could Paul be beaten, whipped, shipwrecked, slapped, stoned, forsaken, and still say that in times of trouble, he has a joyful confidence, knowing that his pressures will develop in him a patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine his character, and his proven character will lead him back to hope. Paul challenged me so much this week. I've been reading the book of Acts, and I want to tell you, Paul is a person that we can look at and say, Jesus, may I have a little bit of Paul's courage in my life, amen? When people said to Paul, we're going to kill you, he said, that's fine, to die is gain. When people said to him, okay, we're going to let you live, he said, okay, to live is Christ, amen? When people said to him, we're going to We are going to make you suffer. Paul said, this present suffering of this world is nothing compared to the glory of God that is going to be revealed inside of me. So Paul had the ability to look at everything he faced through a lens of purpose. Do you look at your challenges through a lens of purpose? Paul knew his assignment. He knew God had given him a purpose in life. And whatever he faced, he faced it with a purpose. You see, in Acts 9, Paul was ready to kill Christians. Is that not true? He had just seen Stephen stoned. And we even see that the coat of Stephen was laid down at his feet. And he was so proud of the fact that he had killed one of God's generals. He was ready to kill Christians, and God confronts him on a road, a dirt road. What is your dirt road this morning, church? God is ready to confront you. God confronts him on a dirt road, and his whole perspective of life changes. His lens of killing Christians are changed into lens of purpose to save souls. In Acts 13, we read about Paul and Barnabas' journey. They had a successful journey to Salamis in the island of Cyprus. Hang in there with me. I'm just giving you a bit of background. Is that okay? And then in Acts 15, we see Paul wants to go to another journey, and he calls for Barnabas. But Barnabas wants to take John Mark. Amen? And Paul says, no, no, no. John Mark deserted us on the last journey, so we ain't taking him with on this next journey. Amen. They have a heated disagreement. Two men of God have a heated disagreement and they choose to part ways. And Paul decides, you know what? I'm taking Silas with me. Let's go on our next journey. Amen. 
And so this is the background to where I'm coming from. And then in Acts 16 verse 5, we read that Paul and Silas go to Lystra and Iconium and the church there is strengthened and it increases in numbers daily. Do you see Paul's journey so far? In Acts 16 verse 6, Paul says, I want to go to Asia. I want to go and preach the gospel to Asia. I want to go and do what I've been doing with the success of the Lord. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said to them, no. He forbade them to go. How can the Holy Spirit forbid them to go preach the gospel in Asia? Just think about it for a moment. Then in Acts 16 verse 7, Paul and Silas attempt to go to Bithynia. And then it says the Holy Spirit prevents them from going. Dr. Luke, we wish he would tell us more. But he doesn't tell us how. But what did the Holy Spirit do to prevent them from going to that area? You see, we sometimes think we are in control of our lives. But God is in control of our lives. He orders your stops and He orders your steps. Even in doing good, you need to hear the voice of God. Paul's heart was to do good in Asia and in Lystra and all over the Europe and all these areas. But every time he was going on a journey, it was only blessed if it had God's backing. The Holy Spirit prevented him from going. I often think, what did the Holy Spirit do to prevent him from going? What did the Holy Spirit do? Amen. But then in Acts 16 verse 9, Paul has a vision. And a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him to come over to Macedonia and help them. Stick with me, church. There's something in this. Paul has a vision of a man. Can you see that? Can you see it's in Scripture? If I'm saying anything that's not in Scripture, you can say no. Okay? <laughs> because we need to keep everything scriptural, all right? So, he has this vision of a man. It's important to understand what I'm saying to you this morning. Paul has a vision of a man, okay? So he set sail to Macedonia on a mission to meet this man of his vision and preach the good news to him. Instead, he finds a woman praying next to a river. He had a vision of a man. He finds a woman praying at the river. And the custom of that day was in different areas to establish a synagogue, you needed at least 10 men. The custom of Paul when he came to a new area was to go and preach in the synagogue. So when Paul was at the river, we could probably say that there wasn't a synagogue that he could go to because there weren't 10 men that could establish a synagogue in the area. But God had told him to go and find a man. He gets to a river and he finds a woman. What do you do when your vision is contradictory to that what you have seen? Stick to your mission. Paul carried on preaching the gospel. He carried on preaching the gospel. Paul preached to a successful lady called Lydia, and she sold purple cloth. And her whole family was baptized and transformed by the river after Paul had got a vision of a man. 
Okay, so just stick with me here, church. God is going to show you something amazing this morning. Lydia invites Paul and Silas over to her home, and they spend the night there. All right, that's the background to what I'm going to read for you this morning. We are reading from Acts 16, verse 16 to 34. So I'm going to read you the, the scripture, and then we're going to carry on. Is that all right? So he had spent the night with Lydia, and one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. So Paul had met Lydia at the river, a woman. Now he's meeting a woman who is possessed by, by evil spirits, right? Hang in there with me. She earned a lot of money for her master by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Do you can see, church, even in this scripture, we can learn that the devil knows scripture. This young lady was possessed by evil spirits, and what she was saying is the truth, but what was coming out her mouth wasn't coming from the Spirit of God. Are you with me this morning? This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hope of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted at the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of midnight, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household was immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before him. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Amen. We thank God for the ministry of his word. Let's give him a hand. Amen. So yeah, we see what's happened after all of this journey that Paul had been on. Paul and Silas had been stripped, severely beaten, whipped, chained and thrown into the darkest part of the prison. Do you feel whipped, beaten by life, chained, or even thrown into the darkest pit that you've ever seen in your life this morning? The prison was built on three levels, church. The first level, you could still move around. 
in the middle section, you had limited movement, but the inner prison was a dungeon where your entire body was held down by the structure of that prison. Which prison are you in this morning? Are you maybe on the outer part of the prison where you can still move around a little bit? Are you in the middle part with a little bit more movement? Or do you feel you in the deepest, darkest dungeon where the structure of your challenge is holding you down? If that is you this morning, I want to tell you, there's a light in your midnight. Amen? There's a light in your midnight. You see, there was no light in that dark dungeon. It smelled really bad and you couldn't move because of the darkness of the prison. Do you think Paul and Silas would have known what time of day it was? There was no clock attached to the wall. But yet Paul and Silas are sitting in the dungeon in your dark times when you don't know what to do. It's decision time. Turn to your neighbor and say, in your darkest hour, it's decision time. You see, at midnight, the truth that you have nurtured direct your heart towards your darkest hour or the breaking of a new day. Can I say that again? At midnight, the truths you have nurtured in your heart, the promises you have made as your truth, direct your heart towards your darkest hour or the breaking of a new day. You see, people can see midnight as your darkest hour, but church, you know what? Midnight is the breaking of a new day. Amen? At midnight, your belief or distrust in your heart towards God and His promises come alive because you are only faced with yourself. Amen? At midnight, Paul and Silas started praying and singing hymns to God while the other prisoners listened. While the other prisoners listened. You see, when Paul and Silas couldn't see the answer, as their custom, they continued doing which was their devotion towards the Lord. Midnight is dark, but it's also a new day. Turn to your neighbor and say, midnight is dark, but it's also a new day. How was it possible for Paul to sing a song at night in the dark? He had memorized the melody and the words during the day so that he could sing it at night. What are you memorizing in the day? Don't memorize your pain Memorize your purpose. Don't memorize your pain. Memorize your purpose. Don't focus on the prison. Focus on your praise. Don't replay your failures. Replay God's victories in your life. Amen? Amen? Practice your praise in the daytime so that you can sing it at night. Could it be that Paul was maybe singing psalm? Could it be that Paul was maybe singing a psalm he'd memorized in the daytime? You see, Paul and Silas had practiced their praise in the daytime so they could sing it at night. 
I told the band when we did the song, this is a song you can sing over and over and over again. When your daytime comes, sing my help comes from the Lord. When your nighttime comes, sing my help comes from the Lord. And everything in between, you sing my help comes from the Lord. Because you see, if you're not used to praising in the daylight, it's going to be really tough to praise in the midnight church. If you are not used to praising in the daylight, it's going to be really tough to praise in the night. Amen? Paul could not maybe move his feet, but I'm telling you, they should have muzzled his mouth. Wasn't it his mouth that got him into trouble in the first place? Amen? He was proclaiming the gospel, he was casting out demons, and he was doing what he was meant to do. It had nothing to do with his feet. Don't let your chains break your praise. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let your chains break your praise. No, say it like you mean a church. You're in a dungeon and you've memorized God's promises in the daylight. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let your chains break your praise. Don't you dare let your chains break your praise. Amen? Let your shackles become your instruments of praise. Let those things that have come against you force you into the presence of God, force you into the face of God. Make your relationship with God stronger than it's ever been before. Because you see, when the devil gives us hard times and it pushes us into the presence of the Lord, guess what? He's after a while going to start seeing a pattern. And he's going to see, when you give me hard times, I ain't going to turn my back on God. I'm running to him. Do you really want to do that? Amen? Amen? Paul and Silas were free before their chains fell off. Are you free or do your chains define you? Amen? The only reason you can praise God at midnight when the world collapses is because you know God is still God at midnight. The same God that put the sun and the stars in the sky is the same God that put the moon in the sky. Amen? Suddenly, There was a violent earthquake and the foundation of the prison started shaking. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. What is your suddenly that you need God to do for you this morning? Because suddenly there was an earthquake and the foundations of the prisons were shaking. Amen. Man built the prison. God owns the ground it stood on. God built the ground that it stood on. Man built the prison. God owned the ground it stood on. Man built the prison doors. God made the trees it was made from. Amen? Man made the shackles. God made the iron. When God speaks, creation stands at attention to obey the voice of God. Amen? But you see, church, we look at the story and we think, okay, great, the doors have flown open. If I was sitting in the prison, I'd sung my heart out and the doors flew open. Was it not time to leave? But God didn't break the chains for them to get out. He broke the chains for him to get in. At the voice of God, every prison door flew open and every chain of every prisoner fell off. You see, church, you forget your praise has the power to affect someone else. Turn to your neighbor and say, my praise has the effect to change someone else. 
What do you think the outcome would have been if Paul and Silas were sitting complaining? Do you think the voice of God would have spoken in their complaining? What is the sound of your song? Is what you're saying worth hearing? Is what you're saying encouraging breakthrough in others around you? Or is it fueling frustration? Can I say that again? What is the sound of your song? What are the lyrics of your song? Is it enticing hope? Or is it bringing frustration into those around you? You see, midnight is dark. But it's also a new day. What happens next? The jailer wakes up and when he sees the prison doors are open, he draws his sword and he's about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Even in freedom, Paul and Silas responded to stay. In your freedom, are you looking around for those around you or do you want to just get out? They didn't see the open door as a reason to escape. He saw the open door as an entry for the gospel. Amen? Amen? You see, he found a place of rest in his trial. Paul said, I know you're expecting me to get out, but I didn't come to Philippi to get out. I came to Philippi to get the gospel in. Amen? Remember his vision? When God breaks your chains, do you rest or do you run? When God brings you breakthrough in your finances, do you run to God or do you run to the beach? <laughs> Amen. And I think God wants you to be at the beach as well. Amen. But run to Him first, okay? All right. In the midst of your God-given breakthrough, a jailer stood needing God. They stuck around because they knew they were the answer to somebody else's prayer. You are the answer to somebody else's prayer. Your breakthrough is the answer to somebody else's prayer. Amen? When you rest in your freedom, your life can change others. Because helping others doesn't put your breakthrough on hold. Paul's breakthrough was still going to happen. But he was helping somebody else. In the time of him helping somebody else, God did not change his mind about his breakthrough. Are you with me, church? You're going to see the greatest revelation in the next few minutes. The fruit of resting is seen in the salvation of the jailer and his whole family. It was all about salvation. The trial they'd gone through, the testing they'd gone through, everything they'd gone through was all for salvation. God will use every breakthrough you have to minister to other people. Now, remember the vision Paul had in Acts 16, verse 9. What did he see? A man, right? A man was standing pleading for him to come to Macedonia. A man. Up until now, nobody knows who this man is. But when he arrived, his first encounter was with? When he later delivered, was it a man or a woman? A woman. Maybe Paul never ran from the prison because that man, the jailer, looked familiar to him. Just maybe he didn't run because he now encountered a man, the jailer, 
And maybe this jailer just looked a little bit familiar to him. Amen? You see, the very person that was wounding him was now washing his wounds. The very person that he was coming to bring the gospel to was saved and his household and his family and his children and was taking him and washing his wounds. Paul didn't leave that area beaten and bruised. He didn't leave that area with open wounds. Later on, when Paul recounts this, this time in Philippi, he says, Lydia, I thank my God for you. I thank my God for the church. I thank my God for everything that you're doing. He doesn't recount him. I thank my God that I made it through the prison. I actually made it. Can you believe it? I thank God that those shackles only broke four of my bones and the rest were okay. Amen. You see, the way Paul and Silas handled their midnight changed generations to come. A church would later be established which would propel the gospel into Europe because of this trip. Amen? All your heartache, closed doors, cuts and bruises don't seem like annoyances when you understand your assignment. Can I say that again? Yes, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen? What glasses are you wearing in your midnight? Are you wearing the lens of purpose? Are you wearing the lens of saving others? Or are you wearing a survival lens? You see, the purpose of the Lord stands forever and ever. His ways are above our ways and His thoughts are above our thoughts. If you can sing and stand through the shaking church, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Maybe the only difference between midnight and the morning is the way you choose to see it. Can I say that again? Maybe the only difference between your midnight and your morning is the way you see it. Midnight has just become your new morning. Amen? Can we give the Lord a shout this morning? Can we give Him a hand this morning? Can you give Him a hand this morning? Can we stand and pray a few prayer points this morning? Amen. Are you ready to pray and say good morning to your joy? Good morning to your peace. Good morning to your prosperity. Midnight is not going to be my new fear night. Midnight is going to be my new morning. Amen. Can we pray this morning? Can you say, Lord, dispel every atom of fear in my heart? No, say, Lord, dispel every atom of fear in this heart of mine. And let every doubt turn into faith. Jesus, anoint my hands for progress and for success. Let's say it like we mean it, church. We are not in our darkness. It's a new morning this morning. Amen. Say, Jesus, anoint my hands for progress and success. Anoint my hands to not do evil. Anoint my heart to do what is right. Jesus, anoint my mind to speak what is right. Jesus, anoint my mind to speak what is right. I declare good morning, Joy. No, come on, church. I declare good morning, Joy. Good morning, Hope. Good morning, provision. Good morning, peace. Good morning, victory. 
Good morning, healing. Good morning, purpose. Good morning, possibility. Good morning, wisdom. Good morning, love. Good morning, favor. Good morning, potential. Good morning, grace. Good morning, mercy. Good morning, wisdom. Good morning, blessing. Good morning, strength. Good morning, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lift up your voice, church. Lift up your voice. God wants to do something this morning. Amen. We are not in our midnight. We are in our morning. Good morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.